I dreamed of a city called glory. So bright and so fair when I entered the gates. I cried holy mm -hmm. the angels they all met me there they carried me from mansion to mansion Oh the sights I saw Oh but I said I want to see Jesus The I enter into that city. My loved ones all knew me well, and they took me down the streets. said brother Timothy <laughs> that I want to see Jesus 
It's a pleasure for me to be with you today. And I want to thank the Obulabi for the invitation to worship with you today. And, um, you know, I know he felt he had to do all kinds of conversations before he invited, but that's all right, Elder. <laughs> we know how life gets sometimes, but I do appreciate the invitation to be with you today and um, do appreciate your years of friendship uh, along with your wife and sons, Chris and Jonathan. And praise the Lord that he has been keeping through these uncertain times. Um, did not come for too much invitational talk or conversational introductory talk because the message I have today needs about five hours to transmit. And so in interest of time, if you forgive me for not continuing the conversation on the introduction, if you forgive me so that we could get into the word. Is that all right? Our scripture reading today is in Daniel chapter three, and that's where the message will focus today. Daniel chapter three, verses 14 through 18. I want to thank the reader for scripture reading earlier, but if you permit me to just read it one more time. Uh, it says Daniel chapter 3 verses 14, it reads, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if he be ready that at what time he hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psalmstry, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, he fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if he worship not, he shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you on this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Thus reads the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord is blessed. Ah, we are looking at the subject today, faith, on fire and you see the flames behind me it's kind of hot right now but but faith on fire as we go into the subject let us pray father in the name of jesus 
we have sang hymns, we have read your word, we tune out to tune in, even in our own spaces. We tune out everything around us and we focus upon you even now, waiting on a word from you. Disappoint us not. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Faith on fire. Uh, Daniel, the book of Daniel starts in a very dramatic way, but still unusual. It begins by saying in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Oh, hold up. Wait a minute. Did I hear that correctly? That Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, a pagan nation, came up against Jerusalem, the city of God, and besieged it? That must be fake news. But I declare to you, no, it's not fake news. It's in the word. And the word says that the pagan nation came and besieged the city of God. You will think that if a pagan nation is coming up against God's people, you will expect the report to say, and God raised up a standard against them. You will expect the report to say, and God caused the enemy who came in in one way to run in a hundred different ways. That's what you will expect to read. But no, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came and besieged Jerusalem. Hmm. But that's not all. If it had stopped there, you know, I could have said, well, they were not prepared. But look at what verse 2 says. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Help me, Jesus. You will think that the Lord will defend his people. Instead, the Bible says God gave them into the hand of the enemy. Who could it be that sometimes when we are cut down by the enemy, could it be that sometimes when we are enslaved by the enemy, could it be that sometimes when the enemy overtakes us, it's that God is the one who is giving us into the enemy's hand? Hmm. But may I hasten to chapter 2. Chapter 2 says that the king had a dream and the king could not remember his dream. And he asked his magicians, his soothsayers, his astrologers, he asked his wise men to, to tell him what the dream was. Oh, sign of madness. He got a dream. He forgot the dream. Uh, and he's angry with people who did not get the dream and who could not tell him what the dream was. Oh, it's unfortunate that sometimes there are people that we will encounter in life, they will ask us some unreasonable things. They will ask us to do some impossible things. And when we do not do those things, they're going to be angry with us. You know some of those kinds of people. 
They ask you to do stuff that they would not even lift with a finger, but they demand it of you. Oh, uh, the king's business was urgent, and so the men were, they were anxious because they too will die. The executioners could be executed. And Daniel intervened and Daniel told the king what the dream was and what the interpretation was. Oh, aren't you happy that even when we are faced with the impossible, that there is a God in heaven who knows and reads the heart of men and he is able to reveal to us that which men have in their heart. God is able to see even our thoughts. God revealed a dream to Daniel and Daniel told the king, you had a dream, the head of gold and the breast and arm of, of, of silver, the belly of, 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 you know, and you know the image said just the head was gold. Let's fast forward to chapter three. Nebuchadnezzar, having heard the dream and having gotten the interpretation, you are the head of gold. That's what Daniel told him. But the gold will be superseded by an inferior metal, the silver. But now Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted to rewrite the omen. He wanted to rewrite prophecy. He wanted the prophecy to read that Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom never ended. And so he built an image entirely of gold. You see, there are some interesting things. When God speaks, it doesn't matter what men thinks. God's word will come to pass just as God said it will come to pass. Oh, if I was in Tobago right now, I would have said God's word must have to bump to happen as God said it's going to happen. And so here is Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, I wish, want you to pay very close attention in chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar is doing something that is not ordinary. He is not acting as a man. He is acting as a God. And so verse 1 has a phrase that repeats itself nearly 10 times in this one chapter. What is that phrase, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. That phrase is set up, or the king has set up. So in verse 1, he set it up. In verse 2, the last word, two words, set up. In verse 3, the last two words, and the last two words in the second to last phrase, set up, set up. Uh, in verse 5, you're going to fall down. You will fall down, but I have set up. Ah, in verse 6, again, it's a call for you to fall down and worship. In verse 7, again, it's another call for you to fall down and worship that which I have set up. 
And so there is this tension where Nebuchadnezzar has set up something. That thing which he has set up is contrary to God's plan and will. He has set up an image and he is asking people to bow down, to fall down and worship that image. This is in direct opposition and contradiction and conflict with the will of God. The oracle said, you are the head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar said, I am going to be, and it's going to be an entire image of gold. God said, your kingdom is not going to last forever. It's going to be superseded by a kingdom represented by silver. Nebuchadnezzar says, my kingdom is going to last forever. There is going to be gold from the crown of the head to the sole of the feet. I have set it up and you must bow down and worship it. Now, immediately there is a tension because there is a day set. And on that day, all nations must come and worship and bow down before this image. I must say that this tension, I could imagine the conversation that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is having at this time. Guys, you know what the deal is. And I could imagine they're saying among themselves, we don't even need to discuss it. Why, why don't they need to discuss it? I'm glad you asked. In chapter 1 and verse 8, you see they had a purpose in their heart. They had purpose in their heart. They're not going to eat and defile themselves with the meat from the king's table. In verse 1, they had purpose in their heart that they will be obedient to God. In their heart, they had purpose that they're not going to deviate from truth. In their heart, they had purpose. You see, you do not wait until the day of the test to prepare for the test. You got to prepare for the test before the test date so that when the test date comes, you could pass the test. So in chapter one, they had already purposed in their heart. Now a test, another test has come. They are fully prepared. And so they don't need to discuss it. What are we going to discuss? How not to bow down? <laughs> and so the day came and the decree went out and men from all nations, men of all stutter and status, men from every stratus of society assembled. And here they are. And I could imagine the music director giving the cue. And as the music began to play, Everyone is bowing down and all of a sudden, there is a problem. What is the problem? There are three 
who did not bow down. You see, it doesn't take long for somebody to see them. Why? Because a city set upon a hill cannot be hid. Oh, why? Because when you have your light shining, if around you gets darker, your light gets brighter. Oh, and here they are. Their light is shining bright. They are standing out and they're sticking out. And so some of the satraps comes to the king. King, oh, king live forever. Oh, you better watch out when people are always throwing accolades at you. Watch out when people are always patting you on the back. Oh, king, live forever. Didn't you say? Oh, yes, 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 I said. Well, there are three Hebrew boys, those foreigners, help me, somebody. Those immigrants, they're documented, but they're immigrants anyhow. They did not bow down. Uh, Mr. King, you know, you should have stopped them at the border. Help me, somebody. I'm talking about Daniel chapter three, you all. Uh, um, Mr. King, you should have stopped them at the border. You should not have naturalized them as Babylonians. Uh, they did not bow down. The Bible says that the king was angry. And so he called them. You know, I, 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 it's because of my executive order that you became citizens of Babylon. Don't you remember? Ah, it's because I allowed you through the border. It's because I allowed you to get a job in the white, oh, help my Holy Ghost, in Babylon's courts. I, I am the one who, who, who did this for you. I'm talking about Daniel chapter three, you all. Um, I don't know what you're thinking about, but I'm talking about Daniel chapter three. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and the king says, look, is what I heard true? I'm, I'm in chapter, I'm in verse 14 now of chapter three. Uh, you know, we don't have a whole lot of time, but I got a whole lot of message. So let's get there quickly. Help me somebody. Daniel chapter three and verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I set up? Let's pause there. I must commend Nebuchadnezzar at this time. What are you commending him for? I'm glad you asked. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, did not just judge and punish these men based upon gossip, based upon the words of other men. Nebuchadnezzar did not believe the conspiracy. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar did not start any stop the steal. Nebuchadnezzar did not start any kind of resistance. He, he, he called the young men. You see, in life, sometimes you encounter people who are treating you badly. You never met them before. They never had any words with you, but they are just treating you badly. Why? Because of what somebody else said about you. 
I must commend the king in that he did not listen to the gossip. He did not listen to the conspiracy theories. Instead, he called the men. He sat them down, maybe, and asked them, I heard something about you. Is it true? Well, that's what a friend will do. Young people, listen to me this morning. If you got people around you that you call friends and they are not willing to discuss issues or gossip that they heard about you, if they're not willing to talk to you face to face, about the stuff they heard about you. Listen to me this morning. They are not your friend. If you got friends and they heard something about you, if that person is your friend, they are going to come to you and say, hey, this is what I heard. Now, if they're really your friend, they're not going to come and say, you know what they are saying about you? Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. A true friend will come and say, I heard John or I heard Jane or I heard Harry say this about you. Ah, uh, a true friend is not going to hide the identity of the whistleblower. That must somebody. A true friend is going to come and they're going to tell you who said what. Anytime they come and they're talking about they say, well, who are the they? Help me somebody. But the king, I must commend him. He was a real friend to these men. So he said, this is what I heard. And I heard it about you. The unfortunate thing in this conversation is that the king asked a question, is it true? But nowhere in the text do I see where the king waited for an answer. It's like Jesus standing before Pilate when Pilate asked, what is truth? Pilate never waited for the answer. If Pilate had waited for the answer, he would have heard Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If he had waited for the answer, he would have known that truth was standing before him. Nebuchadnezzar did not wait for the answer. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he quickly went on in verse 15 and say, now, if he be ready that at what time you hear the music, the harp, the flute, the, the psalmstreet, the dulcimer, all kinds, that he fall down and worship the image which I made. Again, this is a narcissistic king. It's all about him. And anybody who don't do what I want them do, I will do for them. Uh... If you do what I want you to do, I'll give you a, a pardon. I'll commute your sentence. Oh, I'm talking about Daniel chapter 3, you all. I'm talking about Daniel chapter 3. Um, <laughs> uh, the king says, if you bow down, well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. 
And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Oh, Mr. King, you just, you just took the issue off the table. Even if these young men wanted to negotiate with the king, the king just took away the bargaining chip. How did he do that, pastor? I'm glad you asked. You see, initially, Nebuchadnezzar called the young men. He started talking to the young men. But then, in the latter part of verse 15, he shifted the liability. He said, I am going to cast you in the fire, but it's not about you. It's about the God who is able to deliver you. And now the stage has shifted. You see, you don't challenge God and win. You cannot challenge God and win. Nebuchadnezzar started off talking with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abad, Abednego. Uh, but he shifted the conversation to start a talk to the God who is able to deliver them. Let us see who is this God who is going to deliver you. Oh, saints, I want to say to us this morning that sometimes we are faced with challenges, that sometimes we are faced with opposition, that sometimes we are faced with decisions. But the reality is the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. Because the challenge now shifted from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego it shifted to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so the king wants to see who is this God? I like that. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they understood that they were not diplomats. They understood that they were only ambassadors. What's the difference? I'm glad you asked. You see, uh, and I'm a diplomat. He will go and he will try to negotiate deals. He will. He knows what the king wants. He knows what the potent needs. He knows what the mana needs. But he will take liberty of negotiating and come to an amicable agreement. On the other hand, an ambassador says. This is what the potent wants. This is what the monarch wants. This is what his or her majesty wants. And we are not going to negotiate on this. That's what the diplomat does. He does just what the monarchy wants. He does just what the potent wants. He does just what his boss wants. The three Hebrew boys understood that they were ambassadors for the kingdom of God. They're not negotiating who to worship. They're not negotiating how to worship. They're not negotiating whether they should worship. They said, Mr. King, we don't care to answer you on this matter. 
Oh, I wish Mother Eve in Genesis chapter 3 had the same tenacity to look at the serpent and say, I heard you, but I don't care to have this conversation with you. Sometimes we get into trouble because we stop to negotiate, we stop to conversate, we stop to talk with people that we don't have any business talking with. Sometimes you just have to shut it down. Talk to the hand because I don't care to answer you on this matter. Oh, saints of God, sometimes we just have to shut it down. You don't have to go to every, you don't have to respond positively to every invitation to an argument. There are many families today that are shattered because a spouse responded to another. If they had just kept their mouth shut, they would still be married today. Uh-oh. I, 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 I don't know who I'm talking to, but you know what you went through. I have no clue who been through what, but if you had just kept your mouth shut, and some of, some of us are still talking, just shut up, and things are gonna get better. Some children, they are loggerheads with their parents. Why? Because they don't keep their mouth shut. And parents, I'm not gonna let you off the hook. Some of you nag your children too much. Uh-oh, preacher, be careful. I can't be careful, I gotta speak the truth. The Bible says, fathers, provoke not your children to rot. There are some of us, because we think that we are the parent, we could tell our children whatever we wanna tell them, and they must just like puppets hop at or beck and call. Let us recognize that they're equally God's property. They're just younger. Respect your children. Give them a voice. You wanna move from Atlanta to Timbuktu and you're gonna just pick up the family without talking with the children. Let them have a say in the move. You're gonna move anyhow. <laughs> but at least let them feel as if they're involved in the conversation. Bless your heart. Ooh. But here is Nebuchadnezzar standing with these three Hebrew boys that said, we're not going to answer you on this matter. Because we know something. The God we serve, he is able to deliver us. Ooh, I like that. You see, God is able to deliver us from anything and everything. But God is not obligated to deliver us. He is able to cause COVID-19 tomorrow, forget tomorrow, at this moment to just vanish from the land. But even though he is able, he is not obligated. God is able to do anything but God is not obligated to do anything. He is going to do that which brings him most glory. 
Oh, he delivered Paul and Silas from the prison, but he did not deliver John the Baptist. Even though God is able, he is not obligated. God is able to heal you from cancer, but he is not obligated to heal you. God is able to help you recover, to recover you from COVID-19, but he is not obligated. God is able to have all your children pass all their exams, get all their, the jobs that you desire for them, but he's not obligated. That being said, then I like the next part of the young man's conversation. They said, our God is able to deliver us. But if not, <laughs> uh, uh, faith says, my God is able to do this. But even if he doesn't do it the way I ask him for, I'm still not going to bow down. Oh, you, you're in a difficult situation. You have more money than you have money. Faith says, my God is able to send me money from places I don't even know. I didn't even know Sue still owed me. I didn't even know Joe still had money for me. I didn't even know he was thinking about me and the money he had for me. And God is able to impress that person to just send a check along. He could do it, but he's not obligated. You could go months without money. You might not get a stimulus check. God is able to help you to get a stimulus check. But what if you didn't get it? You could still trust him that your bread and your water will be sure. David said, I was young, but now I'm old. Never seen the righteous forsaken. That doesn't mean David didn't have some difficult times. But he said he was young, now he's old. He never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. God is going to take care of us. He might not do it how we would like him to, but he will. And so the young man said, hey, <laughs> Mr. King, we're not going to answer on this matter. The God we serve, he's able to. But if he doesn't, we are still not going to bow down. Oh, the king in his rage declared, heat the fire seven times hotter. Ooh, I could imagine when the king said that. These three young men looked at each other. Did you hear what I hear? He said, heat the fire seven times hotter. Now, you got to get that in its perspective. Our counting system is based upon a system of 10, the decimal system. So we have 10 numbers in our system, zero to nine, 10 numbers. Those who deal with computers will tell you the computer deals on a binary system, only has two numbers, zero and one. The Babylonians had what you call a hexagismal system. Oh, that's a big word. Let me break it down. It was a system based upon 60. 
Now, you see how difficult it is for many of us to do math with 10 numbers. Can you imagine doing math with 60 numbers? <laughs> Woo! Uh, 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 but the Babylonian system was based upon 60. In fact, if you look at the height of the image, it was three cubit. A cubit is 20. 20 times three is 60. In other words, that image was real tall. It maxed out their number system, 60. And Nebuchadnezzar says, you didn't worship that. You're gonna be casting the fire and the fire gonna be seven times hotter. Whoo! Nebuchadnezzar, you just made another mistake and this will be your undoing. What is his next mistake? If he had said 60 times hotter, he was still within his realm, but he said seven times hotter. When he said seven times hotter, he infringed on God's copyright. See, God copyrighted seven. And he infringed on God's copyright of seven. <laughs> and so God is now going to take action. Oh, when he said seven, he put himself in deep water. Because God said six days you're going to work, but the seven is rest. <laughs> God created in six days, but the seventh he rested. Nebuchadnezzar did not understand what he was talking about when he said seven, but he infringed on God's copyright. The next problem was Nebuchadnezzar said, heat the fire seven times hotter. Question is, how will he know it is seven times hotter? I'm glad you asked. You see, to determine how hot it is, you will need a thermometer. That's going to tell you how hot it is. But in order for it to get hot, you need a thermostat. Nebuchadnezzar had the thermal thermometer in his hand, but God had the thermostat in his hand. God was the one who was controlling the heat of the fire. Ooh, may I fast forward? May I fast forward? I know time is going. Help me somebody. But I'm just a mailman. I can't leave the mail in the truck. Is that all right? If you give me but a few more minutes, I will deliver the mail. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar had the thermometer in his hand, but God had the thermostat in his hand. God was controlling the temperature. Nebuchadnezzar could have only read the temperature, but God was controlling the temperature. Woo. God controls the temperature that comes our way. And he does not allow anything to come our way that he knows we cannot bear. So if it comes to us, if God has already filtered it and he knows it is not too hot for us to handle. Ooh. And so the three Hebrew boys, I could imagine they're looking at each other. Did you hear what I hear? He said seven. <laughs> seven means rest. So these boys already had confidence that their God was at work because now 
God has signed on the document. And so the king in his rage, he had the young men bound. The Bible says they were bound with their hats and their coats and their other garments. When I read that, I'm like, what other garments did, did people wear in those times? And I never really found it out. I know they wore hats and bonnets and coats, but I, the, the word says they're other garments. And I would like to suggest to you that among the other garments was a unique garment. And it was a garment of righteousness. Help me somebody. <laughs> you see, they were in right standing with God. And so if they were bound up in their other garments, they were also bound up in the garment of righteousness. Hallelujah. God is not going to allow his righteous, obedient children to go through more than they could bear. God is not going to allow his righteous and obedient children to get destroyed in a fire. Now let's fast forward. Let's fast forward. Let's fast forward. The fire was so hot that the men who put them in, they were destroyed on the outside. So we know this was hot fire. The fire was hot enough to destroy the men that threw them in, but they were thrown in bound. I know we look at the miracle of them being loosed in the fire and we missed another miracle that took place before that. They were cast in bound. Oh, let me say that again. They were cast in bound. So the first miracle is that they survived the fall. Ooh. The first miracle is that they survived the fall. Oh, there's some people will put traps in your way and they want to see you fall. In fact, they see you fall. <laughs> yeah, you got tripped up, you fell but you got back up again, hallelujah. Oh, the Bible says the righteous is gonna fall seven times, but he's gonna get up again. How many times have you fallen? Oh, don't answer me, don't answer me. But look back over the landscape of your life. You realize that you have fallen once, you fell twice. In fact, you run out of counting how many times you fell, but God picked you up again. There are those who think the fall will destroy you. But all the fall did was to develop you, help me somebody. When they thought that you would be crushed, they didn't realize that you were cast down but not destroyed, hallelujah. They didn't realize that God is able to pick you up again and put you on your right footing and you could walk again. Now, 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 I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I don't want to hold you too long. 
I don't want to hold you too long, but I tell you this message in here, you know, we hasten to get to chapter four, chapter five, chapter six, and the prophecies, but there's so much potency in chapter three. I can't finish it all today, but I want to give you two more thoughts. Two more thoughts. I'll try to do it quickly. They survived the fall. The thing that should have destroyed them developed them. Sometimes you may fall, but the fall will help to develop you. I'm no doctor. I'm not the son of a doctor. But I learned that when someone get a broken limb, the point where the limb is mended becomes stronger than the points of the limb that was not broken. Our brokenness could strengthen us. Oh, if the devil was smart, he would never have killed Jesus. If the devil was smart, he would have never taken Jesus to a cross. If the devil was smart, he would have just let Jesus live. Because what the devil did not know or realized or miscalculated on is that by his stripes, we're going to be healed. What he miscalculated on was that by the blood and water that came from his side, a songwriter says there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. The devil didn't realize that the blood of Jesus will wash us whiter than snow. Help me, somebody. And so they, they, here they are. They survived the fall, and the fall develops them. And now the Bible says they were loose. The king said, hey, hold up. Didn't I put four men in the fire? I see one. Oh, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and there's a bed, Nigo. But I'm seeing a four. Hey, guys, didn't we put four men in the fire? Y y yes, King, let me count again. Okay, a bed, Nigo. Meshach, Shadrach. But I'm seeing a fourth one, and the fourth one looks, hallelujah, like the Son of God. I want to let you know today, you don't have to be afraid of the fire because in the fire, there will be a fourth man and he ain't going to be Pastor George. <laughs> don't, don't rely on me being in the fire. I will get consumed and so will you. But the fourth man in the fire looks like the son of God. Hallelujah. Now, let me just, oh, there's a whole lot more, but uh, let me just give you one more thought. Don't be afraid to go in the fire because the king did something stupid. He saw four men in the fire, but he only called out three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Question is, where is the fort? He is still in the fire. Oh, he said, when, when you go through the flood, it's not going to overwhelm me. When it goes through the water, it's not going to drown you. And when you go through the fire, the flames are not going to be, they're not going to burn you. So I want to declare to you today, don't be afraid of man's fire. 
Don't be afraid of the flames that are kindled against you. Don't be afraid of those who will cast you down. Because God is with you, you are going to survive the fall. You might be down right now because you're fallen. Maybe you have a child out of wedlock and you feel embarrassed. I want you to know this afternoon. Raise your head up. You are going to survive the fall. You might have failed your last exam. Look at me. You are going to survive the fall. Oh, somebody disappointed you, your spouse or your children. Listen to me. You are going to survive the fall. Why? The fourth man is in the fire with you. I pray this day that we will all face our fires boldly. Don't negotiate because the God we serve, he is able. But even though he's able, we know he is not obligated. But however he moves, let him move. But this one thing I do know, what can separate us from the love of God? Heaven can't, hell can't, hardship can't, a poor economy can't, failing economy can't, friends or frenemies can't, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And I pray like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we will survive the fires of our life because of the fort man in the fire with us. God bless you and keep faith alive even when your faith is on fire. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you this day for your word. We thank you that in spite of all the fires that men may put up before us, in spite of all the entrapments that we may face, we might even fall. But we thank you that you will raise us up again. So even now as we leave from our gathering, may we never leave your presence and keep our faith alive. And at the end, we know we will survive. We look forward to the time when Jesus will come. Prepare us for that day with the forgiveness of every sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And today there might be someone hearing your word for the first time who had been faltering in their faith. Strengthen their faith, Lord. And someone who might want to say, I thought the fire was there to destroy me, so I never stood up. May they make that commitment to stand up today, knowing that you will stand up with and for them. Bless and keep us faithful to the end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.